We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper, Nick Whalen with you on the Monday following week 10. Just one game left, of course, the Bengals and Giants happening as the Monday night football matchup tonight. Uh, Nick fresh off a trip to South Bend, Indiana, where his cigarette smoke inhalation yep. probably peaked for this year. Right. Uh, season high, season 45 high, cigs inhaled. Probably, probably a life high. Yeah, uh, the, one of the many great things about northern Indiana is you can smoke in bars there. Uh, I'm not I'm not a smoker guy myself, uh, but everyone else that seemed to be at the, the establishment at which we were at uh, Saturday night was so yeah I mean my throat hurts like crazy I know you're kind of sick as well but you know we're, we're gonna power through I think I've I've been sick on the podcast before so I think I've already used up like my flu game yeah this is my sore throat game yeah the sore throat game's tough for for media work mm-hmm. I, I'm feeling better today than I did yesterday yesterday was one of those days where despite my best efforts to stay awake throughout the right. entirety of the games I fell asleep during the late afternoon games for about an hour and a half just in and out of consciousness watching red zone and flipping between yeah. channels and, and those games are 
you know, those are those are games that don't stick with you quite the same way as when you're completely awake, but yet you still absorb most of it yeah, somehow. I why that is, yeah, it's, um, it's amazing how that happens. Yeah, I you know I had to drive back from Indiana yesterday, so I missed almost all the early games. You know, had them on the radio. It was you know doing the safe thing and like basically spending equal time looking at the road and looking at my phone. Oh, e- equal equal time. Yeah, yeah. Didn't get in any crashes or anything though, so it's all good. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it was, this was a good. It, from what I saw, you know, when I got back, obviously I watched the the Sunday night game and the the late games. Like, this was a good week of football, right? I mean, maybe not if you're a Packers fan, but as far as like quality of football, um, I mean, that Steelers Cowboys game was probably the best game of the year that we've had so far. Uh, the Sunday night game was good. I, I think football might be back. Uh, it could be. I mean, there were some close games. The Washington Minnesota game was pretty good. Chiefs Panthers had a nice comeback. Uh, the Eagles made the Falcons look kind of silly in, in some ways. Yeah. I mean, winning that they game by their nine. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, one bird clipping the wings of another. That's a, that's a bird, tragedy. Bird crime. Um, yeah, I mean, that was an odd one. The, the Carolina game uh, was shocking. You know, that was one that it's, like, it, it's very tough to follow a game like that when you're you know, not watching it. So like, you know, I'm checking my phone every few minutes, and it's, all right, Carolina's got this. They're in control. Then Cam throws the pick six. And you know, still at that point, Carolina's D had been so good that you weren't too worried. And then, like, you know, I didn't check my phone for a few minutes, and all of a sudden the game's over, and Carolina lost by a field goal. Why didn't you just listen to one of the AM channels that jumps around from game to game? That's what we did. Okay. But, I mean, that's behind, you know. The, the weird thing was we were listening. It was a Chicago-based one. It was the CBS, I think, yeah. on football or whatever, and they did a good job. But, like, they spent so much time on Jags-Texans, which, like, for me was fine, but, like, the friends I was riding back with, like, it was absurd how many updates they gave about a game that really didn't have that much going on. As somebody who needs unique content to you know pay the bills and eventually buy a house someday and if i have kids like like raise children like i actually need the income from that to do these things i don't want everything to be syndicated but why hasn't the red zone channel audio just been put on am radio right i mean like listening to the red zone channel in the car would be almost as helpful as watching it live Mm -hmm. because they you get in in game like from the maybe it's a tv thing because you get in-game announcing from the TV feed, and then, of course, Scott Hansen or uh, Andrew Siciliano, whichever package you have, you get one of those guys kind of narrating. Right. That, to me, would be even more helpful than some studio hosts right. rambling on about games, not really watching any of them closely, going to the live reporters who are calling in on their cell phones you can barely hear. I mean, like that, that kind of like probably inspired the red zone yeah. channel in some ways. Cause that's what people did pretty much ever since I was a kid. Like that was the way to listen to games mm-hmm. in the car. If you weren't listening to one game in particular, I just, I don't understand why we can't figure things like this out. It's, it's right up there with when you watch red zone, I have the sling package right now, which is great to save money. And I have the red zone package on there. It's like 20 bucks a month to have NFL Network and a bunch of sports channels in, in, in Red Zone, which is way cheaper than any other way to get Red Zone. It's like three minutes behind everybody else's Red Zone. So if I'm watching it, I can't really look at yeah. Twitter as much as I would otherwise, which is probably good because I'm actually right. watching what's on the screen instead of just reading stupid tweets all day. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why there's a three-minute delay. I got like a five-second delay I could, I could live with. There was a delay on, on regular TV, too. I have you know, on just regular charter cable in Madison, and I was watching the Pittsburgh game, and you know, I'm in a pick'em league that, that updates live, you know, like as, you know, however many confidence points you put on a certain team. So, you know, if the score flops or basically whoever, whichever team is leading flops, you know, you'll see the standings change right, right away. And, like, the standings in that league changed, like, 30 seconds before the Zeke touchdown. Which is on, you know, well, I'm not streaming this game or anything. It wasn't on Red Zone. It was just on regular cable. So, like, 
you know, the the site that we used to host this uh, Pick'em League was somehow ahead of live TV. I mean, I, I guess it'd be stat provider instantaneously right. providing scoring updates and yeah. them doing a good job of updating their like scores. That, I, I do like that happened with uh, the World Series as well. I was on I was on Twitter during that and it just happened to like refresh my feed like right as Rajay Davis you know came up and like you know there's like 20 new tweets built up right away. So like before Rajay Davis swung the bat, like you know there's only a few seconds between there was like so you knew something had happened. There was action. You there knew was. you knew it was kind of like baseball. That's nice because there's not always a ton of action. It, it's like. Um, on the MLB at bat app when it says in play runs and you don't know how many oh. runs you don't know exactly what happened you don't know if it was a basis clearing double or home run or single or whatever there's that little that little lag I, yeah. I, I like I like that lag I don't like I know the, most the of their ESPN, lag uh, I don't know what they call it but I, you know I used to watch games on you know on ESPN GameCast and I don't know if it's still like this but like when someone hits a fly ball and you know like that you can see the arc of the ball like everything looks like a home run at first and like sometimes it'll die and just you know be an infield fly other times it'll go over the wall um, but yeah, do you want to talk more about baseball simulation apps? Ideally, yes. Um, how was South Bend? Like, I've never, I, I don't spend a lot of time in Indiana, uh, really? not for any particular reason. Other, I, I don't really know anyone that lives there, so I don't have anyone to go visit. Right. I've heard good things about Indianapolis as kind of a, yeah. like a rebuilt or I don't know. Indianapolis like, is great. I, up I and was coming there for, city. The, for the final four a couple years ago and when Wisconsin was there and I had never been there before that. And yeah, it was great. The downtown is like literally built to host events like that. They had open carry for the weekends. You didn't have to wow. worry about any of that. Smart Indiana. Right. Exactly. Um, this yeah, this is my third time going to South Bend. I, one of my my best friends is in law school there, so we've just kind of gone every year to visit him. Went to the went to the Notre Dame USC game last year. That was a lot of fun. Ended up being a crazy game, but Notre Dame was on the road. I think they were playing like they were playing Army like in San Antonio for some reason uh, on Saturday. So we just kind of hung out, you know, watched the Wisconsin game. Was able to, to catch the end of the Michigan game and the Clemson game. Uh, but yeah, South Bend's a weird town. Like for having this really prestigious university, like. South Bend is not the it's not a prestigious town. I guess it's like extremely blue collar and then there's just this like really nice glorious university there and like everything else around it is just kind of like an extension of Gary. Well, the weird thing I I noticed too, I went to the campus the University of Michigan on my way back from Detroit. I was coming back from a Tigers game. I stopped off for lunch in Ann Arbor. I felt the same way about the parts of Ann Arbor that I saw. I mean the direct campus areas were pretty nice. Whereas, I, I guess, if you think of it this way, like Madison's kind of like that too. If you drive through certain parts of Madison, you know, if you come off the freeway and you come into the east side, you're like, oh, this town's kind of yeah. weird. And then all of a sudden you get to campus in the capital area, you're like, wow, it's really nice. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, but it's kind of crappy over here. It's like, well, you got to. I think it's like that anywhere, you know? If, if you know the whole area, you realize that the area is mostly good and mm-hmm. it does have some areas that are, are run down or being rebuilt and things like that. So right. part of it's just your perspective where you go into a town, where you leave, and, and things like that. But I, I would, I mean, it, Northwest Indiana doesn't yes. have a great reputation, so your comments about South Bend uh, right. don't surprise me uh, all that much. Interestingly enough, Notre Dame now four and six on the season to yeah. beating Army forty four six. So bowl eligibility. Yeah, it's been a been a rough year for for Brian Kelly and company. Any jerseys spotted? Yeah, I was hoping you'd ask. This is a weird one. Uh, not much in South Bend itself. Um, you know, I mean, you see, you saw quite a bit of just Notre Dame gear because you know they were playing. Oh, but day. but but a toll road um, like overpass. Did you see any jerseys? Any of those places? Did you stop off no, at one of those no, like no. Auntie Anne Cinnabon Seven Eleven? Like that Oasis? Uh, yeah, like the the Nathan's no. like the, the it's like all hot dogs and, and it's really bad stuff. And once in a while, you'll catch like a right. Starbucks in there, but it's mostly like 
mall food court dropouts mm-hmm. are the things that you get yeah. when you stop above it. The only thing that's cool about stopping above there is just watching the cars like drive underneath right. you, I guess. like That's kind of cool. Yeah, didn't do that. Um, did go to a Panda Express, though. Um, that was good, as always. Shout out to Panda Express. I didn't see really any jerseys in South Bend. Uh, I did bring my Sharif Abdurrahim jersey. Just kind of, I, I just keep that with me when I travel. You never know when you're going to need something like that. But when I got home, like immediately as I pulled, uh, you know, parked my car in Madison, got out, some girl walks by in a Dan Morgan Panthers jersey. What? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Did you, did you, you had to ask some questions. No, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, like, she was walking, you know, maybe 20 feet ahead of me. But I was, I tried to get a picture, I was going to send it to you, couldn't really get a good angle. But yeah, Dan Morgan, number 55. We, we may have to come to a point, though, Nick, where we can't just take pictures of random girls walking down the sidewalk because they're wearing an unusual jersey. You, yeah. You'd probably be like, hey, I'm really into strange jerseys. Is it okay if I take your picture? Yeah, I sure, I guess. Weirder, yeah. I mean, I, I think you, if you're good at it, you know, then you, they don't even find out. I'm. So it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation. I'm not. I'm not going down that road, but uh, yeah, you know, whatever. A Dan Morgan jersey, unbelievable. Why stuff. though? Like right? I just I don't. I know. don't... This was, the Panthers game had been over at that point. The Dan Panthers had just Morgan lost. Panthers. Like it's not something I would be wanting to wear. Wow, I am. I'm blown away that that yeah. uh, happens. Yeah, it was that a good exists one. in our in our one. town. Well, I'm I'm glad for the sake of like privacy. You didn't take a photo of this mm-hmm. person. That would have been probably for the best. Kind of embarrassing for all of us. Uh, let's move on to this week ten slate. Titans smashing the Packers, 47-25, 21 first quarter points. How about 14 second quarter points as well? 35-16 at the break, and yet until the middle of the fourth quarter. This Packers team still has the ability to pull you back in, you know, in a in a Cecilia or a uh, build me up buttercup kind of way where you just you think that the switch is going to flip and Randall Cobb is going to become Superman and Aaron Rodgers will stop missing those little throws from time to time that he's been missing all season long. And that was the feeling last year, too, when they were behind. You'd be like, oh, well, something really great could happen still. Right. And as each week passes... I'm beginning to chip away at that confidence a little bit to the point where I look at the Packers as a team that probably finishes the year with eight wins. And if that happens, Mike McCarthy will be promptly fired. And even if they make the playoffs, if they don't win a playoff game, this is it for Mike McCarthy. He will be gone. His lack of offensive creativity continues to be a problem. And I realize the Packers have had their share of injuries this season, but with Nelson, with Cobb, with Adams, you should have more happening in the offense than you do right now. And it's easy to look back at the numbers and say, well, Aaron Rodgers had 371 yards through the air in a rushing TD. It, it wasn't 371 yards amassed in a situation where the game like was close. It was, it was garbage. Yeah, it was, it was Bortles-esque. I mean, it, it's just not there right now. The, the offensive line was getting worked. Brian Arakpo played really well. Uh, the Titans' offense was unstoppable and DeMarco Murray had a 75 yard TD run on his first touch of the game Packers bottled him up a bit after that you know 123 yards and 17 carries so you take out the 75 that's like what 48 yards on 16 carries three yards a pop after the long one I feel like I say that every week with Murray it's like well you take away that long rush like it's getting to the point now he just seems to be breaking off so many long rushes that it's not fluky that's a skill like that that is that he's he's still he's still very good and 
when I watch DeMarco Murray play right now, I'm like, how bad of a coach is Chip Kelly, really? Like, how could you not figure out yeah. that he can run if you run him this way right. as opposed to the way they were well, trying so to use him? so many people two years ago were, you know, he's replaceable, it's just this line. And I think in a lot of ways, like, the line deserves a ton of credit. I mean, if some of the holes that it was opening for Elliott yesterday, there's no other line that, like, if you're on Twitter during NFL Sundays, like, You'll see like five screen caps, you know, if you follow the right people of, you know, a screen cap of, a, of Zeke, you know, cutting through a hole. And it's just the parting of the seas. Like no other team produces more screen capable offensive line plays that, uh, than, than the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but right. I mean, I think, you know, Murray is obviously a town in his own right. And you got to give some credit, I guess, to the Tennessee line as well. But but the, the first point that you made that this Green Bay team is still dangerous, dangerous enough, I should say offensively to keep giving you that hope. I mean, most teams, if you fall down 21-0, to zero, you know, basically in the first quarter, it, it's over. Um, you know, after Green Bay scored that first touchdown, you're, you know, thought there was a little bit of hope. Like, this is the Titans after all. And then, you know, two plays later, the, the Titans basically rip off 70 yards, you know, worth of yardage, and they're back in the end zone. I mean, it was just... I, the Packers aren't the type of organization that fires a, a coach midseason, but they're probably five to ten organizations at least in the NFL that would have canned Mike McCarthy yesterday, right? Uh, yeah, because those, those schemes are just reckless. I, I, think it's, I think it's bad to fire your coach in season unless you're yeah. 0-6 and your coach, like the Wizenhunt firing last year, I, I don't think the Titans is a model organization for anything, but firing Wizenhunt when they did was actually justified. There are occasional well, there are certain circumstances where, where you do like, it. The Browns firing like Hugh Jackson this season, they haven't done that, obviously, but like that would be like a... That'd be, okay. a, that'd be that'd a be a dumb firing right. because be like, he didn't hey, like, build this. What do you this? want him to do? Type yeah. of situation, you know. Like I think with Green Bay, it's I, the way that the times that it does make sense is when you're you're viewing the firing as like a rallying point of like, all right, we're gonna bring in someone new. We know the talents there. Like I think that's the case in Green Bay, but this also doesn't necessarily seem like a situation where McCarthy has like lost the locker room, does it? No, I I don't know. I don't think that's the case necessarily. I just think the scheme is broken and it. It's not really showing any signs of being modified in a meaningful sort of way. Maybe he pulls it out of the tailspin. There's seven games left in the regular season at Washington, at Philly, home against Houston, home against Seattle, at Chicago, home against Minnesota, and then at Detroit. If they win five of those games, they finish with nine wins, and that might be enough to win the division in the division's current state. But that's five and two over their last seven, where I guess the, the best team they're going to see is Seattle, and they do get Seattle at home. I assume they will lose to Seattle because they always lose to Seattle because Mike McCarthy can't outcoach Pete Carroll. So he just can't do it. And, you know, the Bears, the Vikings, the Lions, those are all kind of coin flip games right now. Every game based is on a the coin form. flip game for Green Bay going yeah, forward, Yeah, the, right? the Texans aren't very good. The Eagles are solid. The Redskins are solid at home. I mean, the next two weeks will ultimately determine their fate. I think yeah. if, they, if they can win these next two games, they'll hook people in again. If they lose even one of the two... I think they missed the playoffs. They benefited from, you know, Chicago being Chicago, from Minnesota just completely looking like a different team after the first five weeks of the season. Like, I mean, it, I feel like in most NFL seasons or in most scenarios, you wouldn't look at this Packers team and feel like kind of okay about their playoff chances. But, you know, things have kind of broken the, the right way around them, I guess, to kind of allow for more variance and more mistakes uh, than, than in most typical years. Uh, but this doesn't have the look of a playoff team to me. That said... I didn't think the Packers looked like a playoff team for much of last season, and you know they were able to win their first playoff game and probably should have beaten Arizona. Um, you know, had the defense been able to, to come through uh, at the end of that one. Um, so, I mean, anytime Aaron Rodgers is on your team, basically, this is the point I'm trying to make. You're not necessarily out of it. 
No, but you should be a perennial contender, and the Packers are like one notch below that under McCarthy. So yet again, a lot of Packer talk, understandable given where they were, where they should be, and where they seem to be going or not going uh, at this point. Devontae Adams looked good, 6 for 156 on 9 targets, 12 for 126 on 18 targets, and a TD for Jordy Nelson. Otherwise, no other Green Bay pass catcher had more than Randall Cobb's 31 yards. Uh, James Starks led the way in the backfield, 7 for 33, also caught a pass, actually caught three passes. One of them was a TD pass. So he turned in a, a decent performance in a game where game flow was terrible for the running backs. Ty Montgomery's role evaporated five total touches three carries for nine yards two catches for 11 yards I don't know if he's a cut but he's a very difficult player to start in the short term and he might be a cut a week or two from now if what happened yesterday uh, continues Murray is a top 10 overall player I think right now given the state of running back I mean mid first round if we were drafting today for the rest of the year wouldn't be that much of a surprise Titans haven't had a bye week yet so I guess that's a factor that might work against him in a rest of season sort of draft Mariota has been playing very well lately that continued yesterday 19 for 26 295 four TDs Uh, Delaney Walker caught a TD pass from DeMarco Murray so Murray vultured what could have been the fifth passing TD of the day from Mariota by throwing a halfback pass for a TD early on in this one. I mean, the Titans pulled out all the stops. They had the halfback pass. They onside kicked on the opening kickoff. They they showed zero fear of the Packers. They, so they, give Mike Malarkey some credit. They coached that game and played that game like the Packers do four years ago. Right. They, they, they played that game. They went into it and expected to win. Like, we're going to do whatever we want, and we're going to win. Right. And they, they did. So... When a team, Hats off when a team botches an onside kick to open the game and you go three and out and punt from your own, you know, from inside Tennessee territory, that, that I, I don't know. I, that's just not really an acceptable result. Owned. Just owned. Uh, Washington 26-20 winners over the Vikings. Jordan Reed pretty quiet in this one, just two for 41 on four targets. Vernon Davis scored, though, three for 66 and a TD. It was Pierre Garçon leading the way in the Washington receiving core on a day uh, in which Deshaun Jackson didn't play. Rob Kelly, 22 carries, 97 yards. It is his backfield to lose. Kirk Cousins, 262 through the air uh, with two TDs. We saw Sam Bradford go for 307 and two scores, most of that going to Stephon Diggs. 13 catches, 164 yards, 15 targets. Uh, really uh, just kind of destroying the Washington secondary. For some reason, Josh Norman didn't match up against Diggs very often, and they paid the price for it. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, kind of an odd game. I mean, Washington came out of the gates really, really quickly. Looked like this was you know maybe going to be over early. And then all of a sudden, Minnesota responds with a 20-point second quarter and, and you know, is back and forth the rest of the way. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, once again, Minnesota uh, unable to move the ball whatsoever. I, I read this morning, I should have saved this, actually. Um, I believe it's no team since, I want to say it was 1997, and I wish I could remember who to credit with this on Twitter, uh, has finished a season with a yards per carry average as a team below 3.0. Vikings are currently at 2.7. They are showing no signs of, of getting out of it either. They lost another offensive lineman yesterday. I think it was Kyle Long who went down with a devastating yep. injury, so things keep getting worse in that facet. I mean, Matt Asiata had a rushing TD, 9 for 13 on the ground. Jarek McKinnon, 6 for 16 with a long of 13, so 5 for 3 on his other carries. I thought McKinnon would be good as an RB2. I'll own up to it. I thought he would step up and, and be it's about useful. Time you, you own up for this, Derek. I, I know. I'm always ducking responsibility when it comes to my bad calls. <laughs> Derek McKinnon. 
Uh, Kyle Rudolph continues to look pretty good. Five for 69 and a score on eight targets. Adam Thielen had the other reception, uh, receiving TD from Sam Bradford in this one. But Minnesota spinning out of control at this point. Uh, Looking at the other team in action from the NFC North, the Lions on the bye, the Bucks 36-10 winners over the Bears when the Bears entered that game as road favorites. It's uh, our line. The Jags yeah. were favorites this week. Uh, the Bears being favorites, also odd. Jay Cutler, 16 for 30, 182 in a TD, which was a 50-yard Hail Mary yeah. to Cameron Merritt at the end of the first half. So he was actually 15 for 29 for 132, no TDs and two picks when you take away the Hail Mary. And also lost a fumble. Classic J. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey was chalky for DFS purposes. Chalk didn't pay in this case. Jordan Howard, 15 carries, 100 yards, and an injury to his ankle or Achilles. We don't know the severity yet because John Fox uh, hates us as fantasy players. For the Bucks, 312 yards, two TDs from Jameis Winston. Doug Martin uh, outcarried Peyton Barber, 16 to 12. Both backs struggling from an efficiency standpoint. Martin did find the end zone. I have to think his role continues to grow. In this case, you back off him because you're protecting a big lead. He's coming off an injury. So the fact that Barber had 12 carries, probably not indicative of an actual timeshare. No, no, I don't think so. Um, I mean, the story in this game, too, I mean, if you're talking fantasy, Mike Evans, uh, only five targets, uh, as you, you know, have noted here, held in check you know, for most of the afternoon. Um, you know, we know he came into this game with a little bit of a you know concussion issue. Uh, he was cleared, so you don't worry about that too much. But um, you know, something to consider. You know, when you see a low volume target game from a guy who's you know been double digits uh, in targets most weeks. But uh, I wouldn't say this is necessarily an impressive win by Tampa Bay. I think Chicago. Um, Chicago was just like wildly overrated after beating what's now not looking like all that good of a Minnesota team. Yeah, it's a, it's a division full of futility right now. The mm-hmm. NFC North trying to um, kind of push the AFC South for the uh, worst division in the league based on the current form, at least. Uh, Chiefs rallying to win on the road in Carolina 20-17. to This game was 17-3 at half. It was 17-3 at the end of the third quarter. 17 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, rallying the Chiefs back again to that three-point win. Spencer Ware, 13 carries, 61 yards, three catches for 11 yards. A quiet game for him in his return from a concussion. Tyreek Hill, 10 catches, 89 yards, 13 targets, really kind of stepping up into the role that I expected Travis Kelsey to fill in the absence of Jeremy Macklin yesterday. Yeah, bizarre finish to this game. Like you said, you know, seventeen to three going into the fourth. You know, at that point in the game, Kansas City had not really been able to get anything going offensively. Um, and then fourth, or excuse me, second half drives for Carolina. They have a twenty-play drive that resulted in a punt. Twenty plays, punt. How do you, how do you do that? That's we, I was trying to talk this over with the with the penalties? guys in the car. Like yeah, penalties. Like the drive got all the way down to the Kansas City twenty-eight at one point, and then they ended up punting from the Kansas City forty. Um, so yeah, 20 play drive ending in a punt, uh, probably one of the weirdest drives you're ever going to see. Then cam throws a pick six, then they punt again, then they punt again, then they get the ball back, um, you know, with about 30 seconds to play at their own 20, uh, you know, with the chance to kind of get something deep. I don't know. You know, teams always seem to find ways when they need to, to like make it at least a little bit interesting at the end of a game. I mean, look at Pittsburgh Dallas, for example. I mean, you know, there's teams that like struggle to move the ball the entire game, but then when there's a minute left and they need to get 70 yards in in that time span, they always seem to be able to uh, at least make it interesting. And Carolina did that until Calvin Benjamin caught the ball, literally had it ripped away from him as he was going down by Marcus Peters uh, on that setup. Uh, Cairo Santos for a 37-yard game winner. So, uh, I mean, defensively, I guess Kansas City just kind of pried this game away from Carolina. 
Yeah, they, they did, and I was very surprised to see it. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, 7 for 84, 12 targets. Devin Funches hauled in a TD pass from Cam Newton in this one. 356 on four targets for Funches. 5 for 39 on eight targets for Greg Olson, who called this game, I think, the worst loss he's ever been a part of, or worst game he's ever been a part of, which with that yeah, lead at home... Kind of a big deal, though, for the Panthers right now. They fall to three and six. Would have been four and five with a win yesterday, and right in the thick of things for at least a wild card. Uh, but at three and six now, they almost have to win out to actually make the playoffs. Maybe there's room for them to be a nine win team that can go six and one the rest of the way, but their margin for error got much smaller mm-hmm. with this loss. And Jonathan Stewart also held in check yesterday, 13 for 39, a long of 10. Uh, from him, Cam Newton outgained yeah. him on the ground, twelve, 12 for fifty-four. Yeah, he's running, running again after a little lull. It seemed in that aspect of his game. Uh, Falcons, Eagles, Devontae Freeman flopped in this one. I thought it was a good spot for him without Tevin Coleman. It wasn't. And the Ryan Matthews show happened. I mean, Ryan Matthews scored twice, got over a hundred yards. What are the Eagles doing at running back? I mean, Darren Didn't Sproles Matthews had like eleven snaps last week. Yeah, he was a non-factor. I don't, I don't get it, yeah. Sproles had two carries for 19 yards, but eight catches for 87 yards. Seemed like there was a mismatch with the Falcons linebackers that the Eagles really liked. I don't know what to expect at all from the Eagles' backfield. If Matthews is available in your league, sure, you want to add him, but how much do you really trust him at this point, given the path to this point? It's tough. I mean, this Philadelphia team has looked you know wildly different I guess week to week over the last four or five weeks they're a a very very tough team for me to trust at this point Um, but I mean there's just so many kind of ancillary contributors that that are coming together to to make this offense work and, and that was on display again this week I mean no receiver goes over 73 yards Jordan Matthews was the high man there uh, and Nick Sproles is all of a sudden, of course, just you know, a big part of this offense over the last four weeks. As he always seems to, wherever he is, like every year, he kind of sneaks into this role at some point. Um, and like I said with Ryan Matthews, you know, a guy that was, you know, some people are probably willing to cut bait on after last week comes in, carries the ball nineteen times, and scores twice. Freely available in the Stopa Law Firm League. I mean, yeah. I I was shuffling pieces on my bench. I took Alfred Morris instead of Ryan Matthews because totally if, if, if Zeke goes down. Morris is the guy behind the league's best offensive line. To me, that's a handcuff worth stashing away if your bench allows you to do that. The thing that also makes me hesitant to buy into Ryan Matthews and just start him right away next week, and believe me, he's better than players that other people started this week. I mean, the the payoff can be big, as we saw in this matchup against the Falcons. Wendell Smallwood had 13 carries for 70 yards also. And this wasn't really a blowout. You know, I mean, they won by more than a touchdown, but they that wasn't, you know, they tacked on a field goal late to basically extend that lead. Yeah, this wasn't a situation where, you know, Matt, this, they were up comfortably and Matthews was out of the game. It was 10-9 after yeah. three. So right. uh, there's that. Taylor Gabriel, the long TD catch again, 76-yarder. Julio Jones, 10 for 135 on 16 targets. Devonta Freeman, 81 yards from scrimmage on a total of 15 touches, 12 carries, three catches. Not quite what I was hoping for, though, with uh, Tevin Coleman on the shelf. Matt Ryan finished 18 for 33 for 267 and a score. Jordan Matthews, 6 for 73, 10 targets, by the way, led the way uh, for the Eagles pass catchers. I'm sure they talked about this game a lot on the radio yesterday. Rams, 9, Jets, 6. The Bryce Petty show happened. 19 for 32, 163, a TD and a pick for Petty, whose emergence as the current starter would seemingly tank the value of Quincy and Nunwa and certainly hurt the value of Brandon Marshall. Uh, Bilal Powell kind of paced the Jets' offense. Four carries for 37 yards, seven catches for 52 yards, and 
the TD from Petty. So he's got that going for him right now. Powell show in New York. Yeah, 15 total points from these two teams. Uh, the Rams winning again without scoring a TD. Todd Gurley, 21 for 64 on the ground, including a long of 13. Benny Cunningham, 6 for 40, long of 24. And Kenny Britt, 7 catches for 109 and, a, and uh, 10 targets. So This was just like watching the same team play against itself. Like the, the team stats are like remarkably sim, uh, sig, uh, similar. Yeah, mir- like a mirror match in yes, Mortal Kombat. 17 first downs to 16 first downs. Both had 11 drives. Total yards separated by 16 yards. Passing yards, 155 to 157. Like it's just, I'm. this is one of those games where you look back and like, thank God I did not catch any of this on TV. This would be considered torture, I think. Is Todd Gurley, so Ezekiel Elliott right now has 1,005 yards. Todd Gurley has 515 yards. Is Todd Gurley at any point in the season going to surpass the yardage total that Ezekiel Elliott has right now? It'll be a photo finish. He basically needs 500 more yards. In seven games? In seven games. <sighs> i got to take the under based <laughs> on what's to, been right? happening. Yeah. I mean, I, Isn't that crazy? It's sad. It's, it's unfortunate. I thought he'd be fine with that uh, sim, like similarly crap team around yeah. him last year. He was very good. It's not working for him uh, this season. Broncos 25-23 winners in New Orleans after blocking an extra point and running it back for a two-point conversion. Yep. In terms of ways to lose, that could be the worst way to lose a game. Yeah, and a similar situation almost happened in Pittsburgh, too. Maybe not almost. Kind of almost happened. Yeah, like Dallas Big, Dallas Big ben, blocked that extra point, yeah. Well, they, Big Ben was picked, I believe. Or it was a pick, yeah. He was picked in the corner of the end zone. I mean, they brought it out to, like, the 30-35, and, you know, it's, it's, with the way the camera was angled, it was hard to tell if anybody was really back there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is about as bizarre as it gets. It's like, I don't know if this Denver team is good or not, but I mean, New Orleans was favored in this game. Granted, they were at home and they've looked, you know, less shaky, I guess, defensively. This is a game I feel like in the past few years, New Orleans kind of wilts, you know, against a really good defense like Denver, and you know, it ends up not being this close. But I, I don't know. I mean, this this was a this was another one too, where like listening on the radio, it was I was like, what is happening? Like you you need to see the play, you know, to really understand like how this game was won. Capri Bibbs, seven carries, 22 yards. Yep. Devontae Booker, 24 for 76. Neither back all that efficient, but clearly Booker is the guy for now. I, I mean, this isn't surprising, right? I mean, if Bibbs had done more, I think there was an opportunity for him to carve out a larger role, but based on what they both did against a bad New Orleans run defense, right. I think you're kind of worried right now uh, if you're a fan of the Broncos or if you're a Booker owner. Th- this should have been a layup for him. Demarius Thomas, 8 for 87 and a score on 11 targets. Emmanuel Sanders, 5 for 54 on 9 targets. Simeon finished 25 of 40 for 258, 2 TDs, 2 picks, 6 sacks. So still not sure what to make of him. He's at getting sacked. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good skill. Uh, Breeze had 303, 3 TDs, 2 picks, only sacked once by that Denver defense, 29 attempts, so more than 10 yards per attempt. Tim Hightower inexplicably getting 8 carries. Not surprisingly, getting 21 yards with those eight carries. Meanwhile, Mark Ingram, 11 for 50. So Sean Payton's, uh, I don't even know what to call it, little foray into giving Tim Hightower carries probably ends after this because it's clearly hurting the team at this point. It's almost like going up against that San Francisco run defense, you know, what was maybe why both those guys were able to rack up all that yardage last week. I mean, Ingram was the much better back then, and he was right. still the much better back yesterday in a tough spot against Denver. Uh, Brandon Cook scored 3 for 98 and a TD. Willie Sneed 5 for 47 and 2 scores. Michael Thomas 4 for 46 targets, 2 lost fumbles. Two lost, costly lost fumbles. That will, that will likely hurt him for at least the short yeah. term based on the way Peyton handled Mark Ingram, but of course, that's only a guess. We We can't 
we can't predict the whims of Sean Payton. No, absolutely not. And that was reflected, obviously, in the running back situation as well. If you love to play fantasy football and think you know more than the rest of the sports world about it, we have a website for you. Put that fantasy knowledge to the test on Fan Clash Trivia, the number one sports trivia site for cash and prizes. Rotowire has teamed up with FanClash.com to bring you NFL Week 10 trivia with cash on the line. Rotowire will be running a contest on Fan Clash against Rotowire expert and co-founder Jeff Erickson on November 15th. That's Tuesday night. The entry fee is just $5. Reserve your spot now, and you will compete with Rotowire's own Jeff Erickson to see who really knows the most about NFL trivia from all of Week 10's action. Go to FanClash.com slash Rotowire to sign up now. All right, we're on to the part of the pod everyone looks forward to the most every single Monday. The Texans on the road in Duval getting a win in the league's most hostile environment. And they did it on a day in which Brock Osweiler didn't even reach triple digits in terms of passing yards. What can you say? Um, They did it on a day where Blake Bortles threw a pick six on the first drive of the game. Yeah, he was intercepted uh, after TJ Yeldon kicked a pass. Uh, I believe I believe they they might have ended up ruling it a fumble. Uh, but Bortles tried to like throw away a screen pass that just wasn't there. Tried to like spike it into the ground. TJ Yeldon like reactively kind of kicked it with his foot, popped right up in the air. That was caught. Um, just one of those games, you know, where the Jags just find ways to lose ball games in ways that you couldn't really imagine any other teams doing it. Um, yeah, like you said, you, know, you hold the Brockett ship to 99 yards. He did have two touchdowns, but 99 yards. And it's, you know, the Texans, the Texans did run the ball well, 181 yards as a team. But, you know, it's not like they were breaking off these, you know, 75-yard touchdown runs, you know, DeMarco Murray type of stuff. I, it's astounding. Um, it's astounding that Gus Bradley has a job right now. I think this is a situation where it's, it's gotten so bad, and I'm not a fan of midseason firings uh, either, but – this has been going on for years. It, this was going on, you know, week three. I was already feeling like this, and I think most of Jags Nation is as well. And this team is a complete joke. Yeldon and Ivory splitting carries, even yep. though there's no way to really separate those two guys from each other. Nine for thirty-two and nine for thirty-one, respectively. So they got that going for them. Yep. Allen Robinson with a late TD catch, nine for one hundred seven and a score on thirteen targets. At least you have that to look forward to. Uh, Marquise Lee seems to have passed Allen Hearns as the number two receiver, or he's at least doing enough where yeah. Hearns is just viable right now. Right? Yeah, I don't think I wouldn't say you know Lee has necessarily passed Hearns, but he's been more productive. Yeah, he's he's been a, more of a big play threat. Um, you know, I think Hearns still holds that role, I guess, with that wide receiver two designation. But, but yeah, like you said, I mean, Marquise Lee has been the guy that they've they've liked him a lot coming across the middle. He's a better runner after the catch. Um, but it was nice to see Allen Robinson, I guess, you know, have a, a vintage Allen Robinson type of game. Thirteen targets. Um, he's really only had two or three of those this season. Lamar Miller left this game for a while, so we'll see where he's at with the health of his shoulder. He finished 15 carries, 83 yards, didn't catch a pass in this one. Hard to do with Brock out there. Hard to do against the Jags' defense, too. Brock completed just 14 of 27 attempts for 99 yards, two TDs. That puts him at, what, 3.7 yards per attempt, I think it was. Not good. Yeah, something like that. Not um, good at all. Bortles still doing that weird thing where he starts the the motion like with the ball down by his like hip or his yeah. leg, and he like uncorks this long winded stupid throw that just right. 
he, he's it's mechanically like at this ball. He he needs to actually go work with a throwing coach this offseason. Yes. I think Tom House is the guy that Matt Ryan went and worked with. Matt Ryan looks great. He's throwing better deep ball than we've ever seen. Matt really. Ryan's been better than Blake Bortles this year. Barely. No. They, yeah, it's been pretty <laughs> pretty big deal. Whatever whatever the problem is with Bortles, he has to figure it out fast because he's quickly playing himself uh, into a, a place where you don't necessarily look at him as a lock to be their quarterback in years to come. Yeah. San Diego falling at home to Miami. Phillip Rivers, four picks, including a pick six to Kiko Alonso on what could have been a game-winning drive for the Chargers. He threw four picks in the fourth quarter. All four in the fourth, and the one to Alonso was just awful. I, I kept waiting for some kind of excuse like Phillip Rivers has the flu. Don't think we ever really got it. Uh, Melvin Gordon, 132 yards from scrimmage on 29 touches, 24 carries, five catches. Tyrell Williams looks really good. Five for 125 and yep. a score on 11 targets. Antonio Gates, four for 63 and a score on nine, while Hunter Henry gets two for 11 and a score on just two targets. I wish the target volumes were flipped because I think Hunter Henry at this stage is a more productive player than Antonio Gates, but you know, Rivers is comfortable with Gates, so that's what we're going to get for now. Yeah, I mean, the touchdown to Henry, he was, I don't know if it was necessarily a blown coverage. It was a play where, you know, Rivers kind of extended the play with his legs and was able to just kind of float one to Hunter Henry in the corner of the end zone um, for that touchdown. But yeah, I mean, I think Gates is him just basically being Antonio Gates, you know, kind of buys him this, this like lifetime target load. And to be fair, I mean, he's still, he's just nowhere near where he was five years ago, but you know, he's still a productive tight end considering his age. Uh, Devonte Parker, you know, long reception in this game that, that buoyed, uh, his highest receiving total in, in a number of weeks. Has he even been over 100 on the season yet? I don't recall a time where he was. Doesn't yeah, mean I don't, I don't have him anywhere. So the uh, week one, week one. All right, so it's so week one against Cleveland. By far since week one, uh, or no, or maybe he played week one. It was uh, at New England, so that had to be week two. Week yeah, two. Yeah, I think he was he was held out of week one. Um, but yeah, good to see that happen. I mean, Tannehill wasn't great in this game but he had a couple big time throws I mean the, the deep ball to Parker was something like 55 yards and you know he, Tannehill got absolutely leveled and kind of driven into the ground there was a 15 yard penalty tacked onto it I mean he he released the ball and you could see him watching the replay on the jumbotron behind him as he's like planted into the turf um so I, I was impressed with what I saw um I mean, this Miami team that five and four all of a sudden like with JHI looking like a top five or six running back in the NFL like they're I don't think they're like overly dangerous, especially considering who sits atop that division. But I mean, for a team that looked like its season was going pretty south, you know, early in the year, they've they've been able to turn things around. I mean, ten yards per attempt from Tannehill, he only threw it twenty four times. It's pretty good. San yeah. Diego is one of those teams. You look at them right now, and you don't really think they're going to stop anybody through the air because uh, without Jason Verrett, they're missing their top cover corner, so they're vulnerable now in the secondary. Parker is okay, not great for me. I just think the the ideal mix for the Dolphins is more of a run-heavy sort of offense. They still have Jarvis Landry taking away some targets there too. But if you're a Parker owner, you certainly feel better now than you might have even just a week ago at this very same time. Uh, let's move on to the next game on the slate. Ugh, man, the late games actually weren't that bad no, yesterday. The late games were all good uh, across the board. We'll go to the Pittsburgh-Dallas game, which I think was the best game we've seen perhaps all season. Zeke with over 200 yards from scrimmage, 209 yards from scrimmage, three TDs. Dak Prescott, 22 of 32 for 319 uh, and two scores as well. I mean, the the one TD pass was basically Elliott on a screen just yeah. going crazy. An 83-yard uh, reception, mostly all catch and run from Elliott. Des, six for 116 at a TD on nine targets. 
He's looking good. I mean, Dallas right now looks like the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I don't know if it's really even close, is it? I mean, if we that, saw, Dallas, Seattle, to me, like Seattle, that, that, yeah, that, that's yeah, your that. NFC championship game if we were yeah. deciding today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially considering Seattle just won at New England, that's true. I mean, Atlanta has kind of been iffy, um, you know, especially given what happened to them this week. The NFC North is just a, a gross mess. There's really no one in the East outside of Dallas that you love. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this Dallas team looks complete. You know, I think I, I was a little bit worried you know, at the end of this game when they needed to get yardage. Um, you know, to basically what ended up setting up the Ezekiel Elliott touchdown that if you're listening, you've certainly seen by now, um, you know, a team that, that relies so heavily on the run and runs the ball so well, I was, I was a little worried, you know, Pittsburgh knows you have to throw the ball. Like, how do you execute that? And Dak looked like a 10 year veteran, you know, finding guys over the middle receivers, being able to jump out of bounds. Jason Witten was a big part of that drive. Um, I mean, they're just a really, really impressive, complete team on offense. Yeah, they, they are at this point. Pittsburgh looks good, too, yeah. for what it's worth. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, 408, three TDs. He was 37 of 46. Uh, no picks, only sacked once. Le'Veon Bell with 134 yards and two TDs uh, from scrimmage, 17 carries, nine catches. Antonio Brown, 14 for 154 and a score on 18 targets. The, the TD catch coming on a fake spike from Ben Roethlisberger, which seemed to be a game-winning TD until the Cowboys, right. with very little time left, got the ball back, and Ezekiel Elliott just ripped off another long run mm-hmm. to get that win. So one of the most entertaining games I've watched all season um, and perhaps one of the most entertaining games actually we've seen in the last few mm-hmm. years, really, if you look at it in that context. Kobe Hamilton only had one catch for 39 yards, but he was the second leading receiver as far as snaps go for Pittsburgh. Sammy Coates played two snaps, yeah. and I wonder how much of that is health and how much of that is Coates simply falling out of favor in the Pittsburgh offense. Because mm-hmm. we saw Eli Rogers go four for 42 and a TD on five targets. He's that slot receiver that gets on the field more than you'd expect uh, based on his actual raw skills. And for now, it seems like Rogers is actually a safer player than Sammy Coates. Yeah, I think, you know, we had said a couple of weeks ago well, when Roethlisberger was out that, you know, once Roethlisberger's back, then maybe Coates, you know, returns to being that, you know, borderline flex wide receiver three type of guy just because of the big play threats. And now, I mean, that's totally out the window at this point, especially in a game where Ben Roethlisberger threw for 408 yards. Again, unless we find out that health is the problem with Coates, I think it's almost safe to drop him now, which is surprising. I thought he'd be the kind of pickup that could make a big impact in the second half, the target volume was trending up. Had that huge game against the Jets, and I know the Jets secondary is bad. It just seemed like that trust, this, that rapport, was building. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Coates did have a finger injury coming into this game, but it hadn't cost him any time before. And they were also without Wheaton and Hayward Bay. You know, if, if Coates is active, um, and I think that led to you know a lot of Hamilton, you know, leading in snap counts behind Brown. Um, you know, with those two guys out, you got to think that you know it has to be some sort of performance-related issue. Seems that way anyway. Moving on to the Niners and Cardinals. San Francisco keeping this game close. They lose anyway. Keep falling to 1-8 on the season. Uh, Cards 23-20 winners. Carson Palmer 30 for 49. 376 a TD. Two picks. Colin Kaepernick 17 for 30. 210 a TD uh, through the air to uh, Jeremy Curley. 7 for 71. 7 targets for Curley. Kaepernick also had 10 carries for 55 yards and a score. Dewan Harris, 5 for 14. Carlos Hyde, 13 for 14. The Arizona run defense just stifled the San Francisco running backs. Carlos, 13 for 14. Have we ever seen... 
Uh, not that I can remember, like this type of. I haven't seen that exact line before. I mean, you I've see, seen like you know five carries for seven yards type of stuff. Like you never see double digit carries for one more yard than carries. It's pretty Impressive. unusual. I think we'll have to check Pro Football. David reference. Johnson, if you used him in daily, pretty he, much killed you. He paid and the two TDs, yeah, uh, hundred and one yards from scrimmage, five yeah, catches. Not bad. I, he didn't. I he, he was expensive. He didn't break you. Like the problem was, you could get Zeke cheaper, right? And if you played Zeke instead, you, you ran away like, with it. We, I mean, this was a spot where David Johnson. It's inexplicable to not break a hundred yards against this San Francisco run D that's allowing almost two hundred a game. I was concerned about this being such a blowout. The volume yeah. wouldn't be there, and if Arizona scored early TDs by just throwing it, if it was yeah. JJ Nelson or Fitz or whatever, then we just wouldn't see as much David Johnson mm-hmm. as needed to justify that price. I mean, I think he actually exceeded my points expectations. Uh, in part because he touched the ball 24 times. I thought he might only touch it 15 based on game flow, so I overestimated uh, Arizona's ability to put a team like San Francisco away. Michael Floyd goes over 100 yards, uh, but you know J.J. Nelson, who was said to be the number two receiver, two for 29, six targets. So we're right back to where we've been in recent weeks where it's kind of like Fitz and then everybody else's pass catchers being used more towards individual matchups and being frustratingly unreliable mm-hmm. for season-long owners. Yeah, Fitzgerald, first 100-yard game uh, since the Seattle game last season, November 15th, so basically a calendar year. Um, he's been reliable. I mean, the targets have been there, double-digit targets now, six out of nine games. He hasn't really missed a beat, but he's just not quite as, I guess, as explosive you know, as he once was, You know, being able to, to, to break off some of these you know, high-target, high-catch games into, into big yardage games, but... Uh, kind of surprising, I guess, to see you know Fitzgerald have this type of game when we expected it to be such a run-heavy attack. Looking at the last game of the day, Seattle 31-24 winners at New England. Hard to go into New England and get a win. Very difficult, Very uh, especially with Brady you know being out there. 23 for 32, 316, no TDs and a pick for Brady, so kind of an atypical game, but Garrett Blunt was picking up all the short yardage TDs. Bad pick by Brady, too. Yeah, it was a bad pick. 21 for 69, three scores for Blunt. Uh, Martellus Bennett led the way, 7 for 102 on seven targets. We saw Edelman get 7 for 99 on nine targets. Gronk, 3 for 56 on six targets. Uh, for the Seattle offense, C.J. Procise really led the way. 17 for 66 on the ground, 7 for 87 as a pass catcher. Doug Baldwin, 6 for 59 and three TDs. Basically, just had a LeGarrette Blunt game, but as a receiver. It was just yeah. those two guys going back and forth. Russell Wilson having one of his best games of the year, 25 for 37, 348, and three passing TDs. Only sacked three times. So if you were concerned about Russell Wilson's health a few weeks ago, I think those concerns were largely erased by this performance. Yeah, uh, oddly poetic end to this game uh, as well. So, you know, Seattle went up, Doug Baldwin caught a touchdown. Um, Seattle goes up by seven with about four and a half minutes left. Uh, So there's a number of plays that caused debate. One of them uh, was, do you go for two in that situation? So, yes, you absolutely do. 24 after the six. You go for two to make it a two-score game, or do you go for the one to force New England, if they score, to go for two to beat or to tie? I think the people who say you don't are underestimating the success rate of two-point conversions. And I realize yesterday— Well, they're underestimating the success point of two-point conversions for the Patriots. Right, that's what I mean. Like, this they, isn't like, all right, both. Let's, let's dare Blake Bortles to score a touchdown and get two. It's like we're daring Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Bill Belichick to do that. Right, you know the Patriots are unlikely to go for two if you fall short. If they score, they're going to kick the extra point. It'll be right. 31-31, you go to overtime— 
if you win, if you get get your two point conversion, you convert, it's over. over. You're you're probably not going to lose with a two possession game with four to go when you have Seattle's defense. So it it made perfect sense. You have to have confidence in your own offense, I think, to convert that. Right? It's you know you're asking your defense to basically do a one and done. You know, keep this keep this team from getting two yards situation. And against New England, I don't know how much you love your chances. Um, but but uh, interesting decision nonetheless. I mean, you could see on the TV camera, you could see Belichick mouth, "Why are they going for two here?" You know, into his headset. So uh, apparently, he would have gone for one. But I think it's completely defensible to go for two, and we aren't really talking about it at all. Probably if they convert. Uh, but New England puts together a you know such a typical New England drive, eleven plays, you know, perfectly executed as far as time, uh, and they get you know right down to the Seattle one. I mean, they had a first and goal at the two uh, after a penalty. And it was kind of a redux of the Super Bowl in some ways, where you know it comes down to basically one play, fourth and goal with 14 seconds left, uh, or 11 seconds left, excuse me, fourth and goal from the one. And you know rather than use Legarrette Blunt, who had three rushing touchdowns, pretty much all short yardage to that point in the game, they try to throw the fade to Gronkowski. I, I believe he had it was Cam Chancellor that was matched up on him, right? Yeah, it was one v one on the outside, and a lot of contact. But I think that was the right call. I think Gronk, they, they both Gronk locked him and kind of. Kind yeah. of seemed to bring Chancellor down with him. Like, I was totally, totally fine with that being a no call. Yeah, that that shouldn't have been a penalty. I think even the the Patriots knew it. Like Tom Brady, you know, was upset, and you can see he was kind of arguing with the refs. But it was like it was half hearted. Like they didn't. You, when a team thinks they really got screwed, you know, players will kind of freak out and coaches will freak out. Like New England did the usual yelling at the refs, but it wasn't. Yeah, you know, I think they knew. So the the only, the, not the only, but the main problem I have with the sequence inside the two, those last four plays for the Patriots, is they try to sneak it twice. I think one sneak is fine. Brady, I think, was 33 for 33 in sneaks prior to yeah. that, as far as short yardage conversions go. I'm fine with the sneak on we one attempt. Fumbled, fumbled, you fumbled on another one. That was going to be a sneak, too, though. So yep. two sneaks, and I think didn't get it. Got it too. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I have to project. But like, I, he left too early, basically, right? Like, I mean, Brady was basically taking his step left before he even had the ball, and they're lucky to get that one back. Most likely he does get it, but it, it just seemed weird to me that they didn't have a better play cooked up with the personnel yeah, they, they have. Were, they have two tight ends that are almost impossible right. to defend. Who were both playing well to that point. And you've been running LeGarrette Blunt so effectively. I'm, I'm really surprised they didn't have a fake handoff play yeah. to one of the tight ends. And it's, right. same thing, it's the same thing I wanted Seattle to do in the Super Bowl two years ago against them. If you're going to throw the ball in that situation, my my intention was that you fake a handoff to Marshawn Lynch, you roll what Russell Wilson out, Wilson can either keep it himself or he can just dump the ball to exactly. Luke Wilson or whoever, whoever, whatever tight end you're rolling off the end of the line at that time. There are so yeah. many other ways Seattle to go about did it. Seattle out a shotgun in the Super Bowl. That was odd. I, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I'm generally a shotgun guy, but not when you're you know on the one-yard line. But uh, yeah, I mean, we kind of an odd, not a collapse necessarily, but an odd way for that to go down because if there's any team that usually is able to convert in a situation like this you know it's it's new england it felt mccarthy like and i don't i don't usually feel like i'm watching the packers call plays when i watch the patriots right i mean they had a timeout i believe at the time like you can if you can i just i have a hard time believing that you don't plow Legarrette blunt four times in a row from the one or two yard line he's going to get it once and the the broadcasting crew collinsworth i think did a really nice job of highlighting I, i think it was first down they tried to go up and over with blunt and 
it really it looked like he was going to kind of cruise his way over top. You know, there's a little bit of resistance, and then Chancellor came around the end and was able to just caught his leg, grab him by the ankles, yeah, and just like, pulled you him back. See the moment where Blunt's momentum just stopped and started going back the other way. Yeah, really good play by Cam Chancellor on that one. Uh, as far as ProSize goes, I mean, what do you expect for him as Thomas Rawls comes back? Whether that's Week 11, Week 12, whenever that actually it's tough is. To say. I mean, I, is he the guy though after this performance? Because Michael, Michael is, was active, yeah. and he outsnapped him and outtouched right. him by a pretty wide margin. I mean, he's the guy for now, um, which is, you know, not really... Not a ringing endorsement. Not, not a ringing endorsement. He's the guy for now. I think, I mean, we look at it now as like, all right, like they want to get Rawls involved, but Rawls has to earn the carries back. They're not just going to hand it to him when, he gets, when he's healthy. That's kind of what I would think, is that they, they bring him along and ease him back in. Maybe Michael's the guy that loses out. And Procise, because what he can do as a pass catcher probably gives him a role as the third down guy. I just wonder how much they let him carry the ball. Yeah. Uh, if Rawls shows any signs of being the player he was last year, that complicates things. If yeah. he's not that player, it might be Procise's job to lose. So not a lot of clarity, of course, but it's very intriguing. There's some shallow leagues out there where C.J. Procise, like 8 and 10 team leagues, where he might still be available. He could be the top running back available on the waiver wire this week. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he's certainly a guy you have to look at. But I'm a little worried. You know, Rawls just runs like so hard and he's so physical. Like he might be the the inside the five back. So maybe you lose a little bit of value there with ProSize. But I mean, this, this feels like ten other situations in the league right now where you're just basically like throwing you know crapshoot week to week. Yeah, it, it's it's the way the running back position yeah. has uh, been all season long right. for many many teams anything else uh, really catch your eye or catch your ear yesterday since you were listening to a lot of these games on the radio uh well like you said that when they have the reporters call in live on the radio like the sound quality is just so, so wildly bad. bad like we it's 2016 like, it's just crazy how bad the sound quality is uh, nothing against the radio and this was am so you know not always the greatest to be stay hot am uh ron dane was on the big 10 network live pregame on saturday is that why? Is that why the Badgers rolled right. Illinois? They had, they had it set up right by our office out there. I mean, not right by our office, I guess, but pretty close. It was right in over front of by, the apartments across the no, street. No, it was over by oh god, no, um, by Gordon Commons. Gordon um, Commons, very yeah, so nice. That big green space. They had Ron on. They asked him if he thinks anyone, or if he's surprised that anyone hasn't broken his rushing record. He responded with just a flat no, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> uh, as good as Ron Dane is at at running the football, he's. Not, not the most eloquent speaker. He, he gives short answers, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's not. He's not the guy. Nice. Yeah, he's not trying to fill podcast no, I don't think time. He just likes, I just don't think he likes talking, and yet he's like always on TV. Um, but no, I mean, this isn't a college football podcast, but this was an awesome weekend of college football, and I'm really anxious for Tuesday night now. Shock of all shocks, this is not a college football podcast. Yeah. It is on Wednesdays, though, when Mario and John right. host. Yeah, and that's always fun. Those guys know a lot about college football. Absolutely. We do. Big, big week, though, with a lot of top teams falling. Very entertaining week. The, the Wisconsin-Illinois game, I had it on on Saturday. And again, I was probably fighting off the thing that put me to sleep off and on Sunday. I don't think I've ever been less amused by a, a game that the team I was rooting for was winning handily. Yeah, I mean, that was just... It was bad. Illinois is tough to watch. Illinois is like, bad. And Wisconsin, Wisconsin's on national TV against Purdue next week. Like I, I feel kind of. Why bad is it on Purdue. national TV? It's a down week. It's a down week. This is the week when like a lot of traditional power teams just play FCS teams uh, or you know bad low FBS level. Clean it up. Right. Clean it up. It's like prep week for for conference title. This shouldn't. That, that shouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. That really shouldn't be the case at all. It's going to wrap things up for us here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Eric are back with you with a waiver episode on Tuesday.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.